0: moderator. Um, please turn off your cell phones. And before we begin, we acknowledge that our event takes place on the lands of the Blackfoot people and Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3, and pay respect to their past, present, and future cultural heritage, beliefs, and relationship to the land. We commit to our utmost to assist with efforts to mend and heal past and present injustices. So today we'll have a uh, Joel Sanchez speak for half an hour. That'll be followed by lunch. Those people who will have lunch will please put $14 into the bowl on the table. And if you are here just for coffee, you place $2. And we ask every, someone at each table to make sure that all the payments have been placed and count the money and make sure that those that are eating have paid the 14 and those that have coffee have just paid $2. Um, so today our speaker is Joel Sanchez, he is a uh, native of Venezuela, he relocated to Canada in 2006 with his family, he has a degree in mechanical engineering from the University of Carabobo in Venezuela, as well as a project management certification uh, from the University of Calgary which he earned in 2009. He's been employed with the City of Lethbridge since 2011 and in 2017 he accepted the position as Waste and Recycling Services General Manager and is currently leading the curbside recycling program. So the title of his talk today is How Much Does Lethbridge Recycle and Where Does It All End Up? And uh, it's it's been quite a controversial topic. We've uh, tried to get curbside recycling for many years, and finally, when it, we instigated it uh, to add f- uh, fuel to the fire, was just when China announced that they will no longer be taking plastics from, from our country. So it'll be a very interesting talk. Joel, welcome Joel Sanchez.
1: Thanks, Mark, and thanks, everybody, for having me here today. Um, So I'm here to give an overview of the waste and recycling uh, uh, services in regards to the the curbside recycling program. Uh, We're going to be talking a little bit about why we implemented curbside recycling at the very beginning to start with. So I start in this slide here to talk about the the waste diversion policy. This policy was approved in 2015 by Council, and as you can see here, we have targets for each one of the, of the three areas or three years that we want to look at. We, in 2013, when we did the baseline, uh, we were a 20% diversion for the residential side. Uh, roughly 330 uh, kilograms per capita. <clears throat> at that time, in the ICI sector, which is all the industry, the institutions, and uh, all, the, all the commercial side, the per capita rate was 580, and in the construction and demolition demolition sector was 280 kilograms per capita, for a total of roughly 1,200 kilograms per capita. So when we look at that number, we know and we compare to other uh, communities in in Canada, Lethbridge number is one of the highest at the time. Some communities could be, uh, if you go to BC, Ontario, they could be around 600, 700 kilograms per capita, Others, they do as good as 420 kilograms per capita, which is a good number. <clears throat> so at that time, when we presented this, uh, this uh, policy or proposal to council, a target was set that for 2021, we want it to be at 50% diversion for the residents, which again means that we go from uh, 330 kilograms per capita to 180, And we also want to be in 2030 to 140 kilograms per capita. So, again, that will be a 45% increase in the diversion for for the residents. Overall, for the city, we would like to be in 2021 in 820 kilograms per capita. So, with that in mind, in November 28 of 2016, uh, Council approved the curbside recycling program. To give you a little bit of, of, of idea of how long this process was, uh, we have today here in the room uh, the person that was my predecessor, Mr. Shaft. He was there, uh, and he presented in 2015 the first proposal, the official proposal to Council, and it took two years to get approved. We all know it was very controversial. It, it was hard to get a, to a consensus, but it was approved in November 2016, and we started the project design and the construction in 2017. So he just gave you a quick view here of how the facility move in the outside, so this is the MERF. This is one of the critical components and what makes a difference from us to other communities in Canada. uh, I think Mark made a comment at the very beginning that just when we decided to go ahead, we had the Chinese SOAR. I mean, that ban for the Chinese government and which means that there has to be changes. What happened in the past is that people were wish cycling and they didn't really pay attention to what was putting into the blue bin. It was a, everything. Everything can go there. We can recycle everything that we, we want to. The result was that we were shipping materials that were not good to be recycled, and that was causing issues in other countries. Other municipalities, other communities in, in North America were not even paying attention. Wow. There was garbage going out. And so we, we took that message seriously, and when we decided the program, we decided thinking in quality. That was the number one uh, priority for us. We want to make sure... Whatever we do, we're not going to be affected by all these new restrictions that we have. Uh, This one here is just a quick, it's really fast. I'm not going to go through all the details, but here you can see how the building inside equipment was installed. Uh, We had the opportunity to talk to many municipalities, to Calgary, to Edmonton. We went to uh, some in Saskatchewan in B.C. We talked to them and we look at how they were doing business. And based on that, we took a facility that had the best equipment for the time to make sure we were, we were going to be able to separate the materials the way we wanted. Uh, this process that you see here, it took only three weeks for the equipment installed. The whole construction was roughly between 12 to 16 months to have uh, <clears throat> the whole facility ready to accept the materials in, in May 14 uh, of this year. Uh, when it comes to the facility itself and the operations, we also put a big emphasis on who do we get to operate this and how do we do this program. So we, got an op- we did an RFP where we searched for the contractor that was going to operate, an ECO from Calgary. They do operate a MRF in Calgary. They were the winners and they are the ones that are operating that facility today. And in the commodity market side, we did the same thing. We did an RFP and the main components was the quality. We want to make sure you guys are sending this material to a responsible market. We want to see where it goes. We want to see that it gets recycled. We don't want to see this material being disposed in the landfill. And Recycle America is one of the biggest uh, companies in North America. They probably move 80% of the materials for, sorry, I say 80%, is 60% of the materials in, in North America and uh, they have contacts all over the place, mills in the, in the US, many of them, he, even here in Canada, they were the winners and they have been doing a really good job for us so far and I'm going to explain that later. So, I want to talk about the, again, the, the quality, this is where I'm going to spend a little bit and I'm going to give you an overview of what we have seen and what is the quality for us. We put a big effort in the ins and out. We want to make sure those materials that we collect are the appropriate one and we can market them. That's why we don't have glass and that's why we don't have plastic bags or film. The glass is something that as soon as you put it into the blue cart, it might break and it then sticks to the cardboard, or any fiber, and then it's hard to sell that material. When it goes to the truck, for sure it's going to break more. And then when you tip it on the floor at the MRF and we put it through the equipment, it's pretty much small pieces. Again, that was a number one contaminant that we heard from everybody else, and we were told don't have glass in. Other cities, and we will see that later, that are now moving glass and plastic film out. They, they know they can move the material, so that's the only option, and it's hard because now they already have all the residents educated that glass is in, and now they need to take it out, so it's, it's really hard to do that change. <clears throat> so, for example, plastic bags. we. We have, in, in terms of the quality so far, I will say we are doing pretty good. The residents of Lethbridge have been listening to the message, and when we look at the 100 percent of the materials that we have, less than 10 percent is residue, which is materials that we are not able to recycle. that are materials that are in the out. So we still get some of those, but it's less than 10 percent. When we talk to Calgary, even if, if you look in the, in the news in the media today. Calgary Edmonton, they are over 20% of contaminants. Again, they have glass still in the program, they have plastics. They're starting to remove all that out of there. This is a actually a picture from our MERF. This lawnmower was in one of the blue cards. <laughs> it went through the whole process. And I'm just showing the, the nice things that we get through. There are things that are way worse than this that we get through the process and it's a shock for our staff. Remember, we have people there that are doing the sorting at the very beginning. They do the pre-sort. Imagine you're there and you see something that is not nice coming and dumping into the conveyor. and It causes issues. We have to stop the whole process. Somebody can get injured. So we really want to make sure to residents that mixed materials, anything that is mixed or big like this, or equipment, uh, is not to be placed into the blue cart. This is another good example too. And we can see sometimes when we buy those helium tanks for parties, they have a recycled symbol at the bottom of the tank. Yes, they are recyclable, but they are not to be recycled in the blue card for multiple reasons. One of those could be they have a compressed gas inside. So this could be a hazard. There has been many accidents in North America of garbage trucks that explode or they have a fire. Because people put a propane tank or a helium tank in the truck. The truck has a mechanism that compress the garbage. When you compress it, boom. So then we have an injury, somebody gets injured. So there are other areas like you can take this to the waste and recycling center. We are now that we have curbside, we're looking at different options to see if we can have options to drop them up in town and not to drive all the way to the recycle center. So there will be options for residents. And I also want to stress this out. I have this picture here, because not many people think that there is a person at the end of the line. We have ladies, we have young men, we have people working there, and when we have soil diapers, when we have human feces going through the equipment, it's really frustrating for these workers, And and they tell us that, and they told us many times, well, It's hard. So we always want to stress, we want to make sure we we put there what we need to. And if you have any doubt, if you don't know if this is recyclable or not, we'd rather prefer that to go to the black or go to the website. There are different tools. called 311. We can try to help. We are here to help. Uh, But we want also to make sure we protect these people because that's a tough job. When you go there to the MRF, these people are standing there for seven hours and that conveyor goes so fast that they need to be sorting everything. So on top of that, there is another element now, different materials that are not supposed to be there. So uh, overall, what we want to make sure is we keep it clean, no tanglers. Again, every time we have a hose, every time we have an electrical cord, yes, they have recyclable materials on them, but they are what we call a mixed product. I mean, it's, it's not recyclable by itself. We you will need to do a process. They get tangled into the equipment, and then our staff has to stop the equipment, get inside, and try to remove that material so they can continue processing. And now recycling. <clears> Oi, <throat> this has to be recyclable. Oh, yeah, sure, like the lawnmower. Yeah, it has plastic, metals, everything, so they will take care of it. We'd rather prefer that not to be in the blue card. <laughs> if you have any doubt, any questions, you can go to the curbside website. There is a waste wizard, too, where you can go online and you can put the material, and it will tell you exactly what you can do with that material or where you can take it. Uh, we, has, we have also been uh, doing the curbside audits. So we had, during the summer, 10 people, during the students, that they were going very early in the morning, at 6 a.m. before the trucks, and they were checking the bins. And they were making sure there was no plastic film. There were not really a huge amount of contaminants. If they see that there are contaminants, they use one of these oops tags, telling the residents, oops, there was plastic film, there was this here. They turned the car, and we were not picking it up. We want to make sure quality is really important, so we left this there. In two weeks later, they were going to the same house, and they checked the same bin, and it's good. Then they leave the way to go. Awesome. You guys rock. You did a good job. So we want to make sure they know that we also recognize the positive side. Uh, If you look into the news today, For example, Strathcona County, they decided that earlier this year, no more plastic in their recycling, no more glass. So again, that's all based on all the issues to move the materials and the struggles that they find, and that's here. When we look at Lacombe, there was an article saying that they are actually dumping the whole recycling program. Small city, they had a contractor. They don't rely on their own collection. It was really hard. The contractor was charging them too much, They couldn't have the market that they needed, they dumped it. In the other end, we just released the the program, and so far, we have been able to market everything. And I'm going to be talking a little bit more about that. So if we look at what we have achieved, how are we doing today? So we know that 96% of the material uh, that we are collecting today Ha, or 96% has been the increase in recyclable, recyclable materials that we are collecting today. So from the depots to the curbside recycling, we have seen double the amount of the materials that we're collecting, 96%. On average, 60% of the residents, and this data, the 60% is up to June 15. We don't have the data for the last two months. We're working on that. But uh, on average, 60% of the residents are putting their blue car on the curve for collection. So far, the material recovery facility, or the MRF, like we call it, has shipped 980 uh, tons of fibers. And when we talk about fibers, that's cardboard, that's paper, or mixed paper, newspaper. So all that material has been shipped to North America. Mostly has been going to the US, different mills in the US. And uh, we have shipped 55 tons of plastics to Eastern Canada. And between June 6th and June 9th, to give you an idea, we checked 8,700 beans with the, the staff that were checking the beans before the trucks. And only 4.5% of those beans were tagged. Which means again, 95% of the residents, they were doing the right job. And we can see that in the residue. The residue is really small. So that means that for the most part, the residents are doing a really good job. And I want to stress that message here the material that we have been receiving is, 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 is of good quality. So overall, from June, uh, May 14th uh, until August 31st, we have received 1,250 kilograms of materials at the MRF, which is a huge amount. 82% of those materials are fiber. So that's cardboard or paper or newspapers. Uh, 4% is only plastics. mixed plastics overall. We have uh, 2% of uh, uh, metals and 10% of the contamination that I mentioned before. The contamination will be the residue. After everything goes through the equipment, that's what we cannot recycle, so it's only 10%. So where is that material going to, if you ask yourself that question? 82% of the material is fiber, as I mentioned before, and that has been shipped to Canadian and U.S. mills and recyclers. So all that material is either going in Canada or in the U.S. Uh, When we look into the plastics, that's another question. We see articles like in Calgary that they had a struggle to move some of the clamshells. The clamshells are all those where you buy the strawberries, those plastics, clear plastics. Uh, we, We also have to think Calgary probably received 10 to 12 times more than what we receive here. So if we see here 4% of the material, we're talking about 40 tons, when Calgary has more than 2,000 tons. So since the quality is really good, we do have a market for all that material, and it's being recycled today, and it's being converted in different, all different materials. Uh, In terms of the metal cans, only 2% of what we collect, so metal is not a huge amount but there is a really good value in all the metal cans. Metal and aluminum, there is, there is good markets for those two. <clears throat> so I talk all about the, the residents. Uh, now let's talk about the ICI sector. And, and, and I brought this up is because I want to make sure everybody knows that we're doing this not only for the residents of Lethbridge, we're doing this also for the businesses and the, and, the, and the industry. And when we look at the total number, if you remember the first table that I had, the residents only generate 300, right, in 2013. And all the industry was generating around 600, 700. And they generate the most part. So, parallel to everything we're doing for the residential side, we have uh, uh, been working on the ICI, where we have targets too, and we want them to make sure they reduce the amount of material. So, when we look to the ICI, uh, this will be any industry. <clears throat> the target or the baseline was uh, around 600 in 2013, and we are sitting today around a little bit over 500. So there are some improvements there, too. Uh, in order to do this, the landfill tipping fees have increased, and the recycling fees have decreased. So we're giving them hey, it's cheaper for you to try to recycle good materials than to send that to the landfill. When we look to the C&D, this is all the construction and demolition new homes, and they are doing a really good job, and we need to stress that out. we look here, back in 2013, the the baseline was a little bit less than 300. Uh, Today, they are less than the target in 2030. So they are ahead. They are doing their job. They are actually having different initiatives to make sure they recycle their materials. When we put them together, the ICI, they are close to achieve their target. And the next step for us is this year, we are doing uh, surcharges in designated materials. So what it means a surcharge, basically it is every time they go to the landfill to dispose of a load, we're going to be doing a random selection of trucks and we're going to tell them go to the designated area and we're going to check what type of materials are you bringing if you have more than 25% of recyclable materials, then they will pay a surcharge. They pay a, an additional amount of money because they, that material should have been in the recycle stream. And uh, we started doing those in June. We are doing a three-month test where we're not charging anybody. We're starting in October the 1st, And we have seen probably 15% to 20% of Uh, incidents where we have these trucks with designated material. And the education is is hard and it's big on that side. And we're working with all the sectors. So what we have learned to date, basically we're moving towards the targets in 2021. As I mentioned before, uh, we are currently probably somewhere between 270 to 240 or 50 kilograms per person on the residential side. So, that number has come down with the introduction of curbside recycling. And I don't have that slide on my PowerPoint. I, this morning we, we got a, 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 result, a report. We can even see how, since May till uh, today, it's roughly 20% less garbage going from the residents to the landfill. So, again, good news story. That's really good. That's what we wanted to see. At the end of the day, what we want to do is to extend the life of the landfills. Landfills are really expensive. They also generate, every time we put all the waste in the landfill, they have organic material there. They generate leachate, which is not a good material to handle. They generate more greenhouse gases, too, and we contribute to that. There are different uh, consequences, too. When you generate more than a threshold, then the city has to pay tax on those carbon emissions. So we need to make sure we measure that and we keep that number lower. Uh, Curbside recycling overall has been really successful. We have been able to achieve what we want. We only have four and a half months, five months, but we have been able to move all the materials. When you do the math, the 82 plus the four and the two, we're moving close to 90%. The 10% that we cannot move is because it's garbage. It's material that wasn't supposed to be there. It's not recyclable. And that material, of course, gets landfill, but we're able to move most of the material that we wanted to. A message that I want to bring today that is really important is quality. Quality, quality, quality. That's what we want to see. That's why other cities are struggling today. is because back in the day when they implemented, I always say there is a benefit to come late into the party. We were the last community in Canada, over 30,000 people with a curbside recycling program. We came late but we learned from all the mistakes that everybody else did. It took time, yes. But so far we we are being, we had last week a visit in town from the Recycling Council of Alberta. We have people from all other municipalities and they were impressed with the with the MERF. They were impressed with what we have been able to achieve and they saw why. They saw they were in the tipping floor and they told us your material is very clean, which we all felt that pat on the back is like you guys are doing good. Um, the residents' participation has been good. We still know we have a little bit more. We would like to move that 60 percent to a 70, 75 percent, which is the standard, but also when we talked to Calgary Red Deer, uh, they told us it takes between a year or two to have a program maturity that everybody knows how to do it and people will eventually get there. Also the number that we had was during the summer. And that was another factor. During the summertime, not everybody's at home, so the set-out rate is not as high as it is during the winter time and the spring. So we really need a one-year data to make sure we validate that 60%. In terms of the quality, keep it up. That's a good job. And that's it. Everything that I have. <laughs>